Good evening, everybody. Good evening, those who are joining us live on Facebook tonight, and those who are here with us, and, and those who are not here yet that's still coming in. So good to have each one of you tonight. We're kicking in back into um, talking about the rapture tonight again. Uh, so, so glad it's our third part uh, of this of this year. Next year, we're going to touch on eschatology a little bit more. Uh, for those who want to know about the book of Revelation, um, because those who are so, everybody's so scared of that book. It's really not a difficult book. It's an amazing book, and it's full of life, full of power when you read it in connection with the rest of the scriptures. So I'm really excited for tonight. It's our third part, and we're ending it off tonight uh, on a high, and we're going to stir up some stuff. So uh, let's pray first. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you that scripture is spirit breathed holy spirit you that inspired it you that brought life to it may it bring life to us as we look at this as we study this tonight as we get into it may it may we understand it may it bring about truth and truth will set us free we thank you for it lord tonight in jesus name amen so we're going to jump straight in tonight everybody okay you ready let's get going so we've been doing this since the beginning, is that we've been drawing the cross as the center because it is the center of the scripture. We've got the building up to the cross, leading up and going forward. And the interesting thing is God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, is that he holds it all together. Um, and what happened at the cross is the fullness of what God planned and, the, and now the continuation of what that is going forward okay so i want you to go with me to colossians chapter 2 that's where we're going to start tonight and we're going to look at one of the rapture scriptures uh, that is used for rapture is first corinthians 15 and again we're going to take all scripture in connection with one another uh, scriptures cannot be taken out of context remember last time we you'll hear a lot of these words come but again the word trumpet what is the word trumpet throughout? Cloud. Um, uh, these, these kind of words that are going to be, that are used right, day of the Lord. These are words that when we, when certain teachings come and people teach you, listen, I can get you scared tonight and tell you all the weird and wonderful stuff that's happening in the world, just like you'll go to conspiracy theory stuff. And when and, and I'll connect one or two scriptures to that, and you'll find like, oh my word, this world is ending right now. I've been around that. I've grown up in that. Is that when the Twin Towers were there, people said that inside the Twin Towers is the, the scary computer, and this computer will be the mark of the beast. And what happened? Twin towers are destroyed. So where's the beast now? It's gone. Um, we've, different things that were coming out right throughout generation upon generation. The, the, I remember the first um, war in Kuwait, or the war in Kuwait, and at that time period with Bush, people were taking scriptures and talking about the, the wasps that were flying and saying that's the choppers. So we can, we can put a lot of stuff there if we're taking one or two little scriptures out instead of looking at the context of the Word. Okay, so Colossians 2, verse 15. Having disarmed 
principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So what did he do? He triumphed. He made a public spectacle of them. He conquered it. He put it under his feet. We're going to look at that in the other scriptures. But he created, he, he, uh, where did he do that? At the cross. At the cross, Jesus triumphed over it. What did he say at the end? It is finished. It's finished. It's done. It's the other word. It's used. It's done. So when we say this, say this, what did he produce because of that? Is that now we are seated in heavenly places. We are one with God. We have the Holy Spirit. What does Romans 8 say? That the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in us. So this resurrected Holy Spirit that three days later, Jesus, what did Jesus do? Did He rise spiritually or did He walk out physically? Physically, right? So physically, Jesus, three days after His death, rose from the dead, conquered death, walked out, and when they said, if it's you, He says, then touch me. Do you remember that? So from that perspective is that this resurrection that we're talking about is not a, when, when we get baptized, you get baptized into His death and raised in His resurrection so that we could be partakers of this spiritually through a baptism. But um, just like, like being born again, this is now part of my life. I walk in resurrection life. Okay, It's important that you hear these words as I'm saying it as we go to 1 Corinthians. So when Jesus triumphed over them, did He conquer the devil completely? Did He take the keys from death, hell, and the grave? So, we've got to understand, if we then leave all of that for one day, then what Jesus did here was half a job. If we're waiting for something still to happen here, now there is something that we need to do, and we're going to look at that, what that is that He's given us, because if it was just about going to heaven, then, or just saving the, the Israelites, or just saving those people, why is Acts still continuing to this day. That he says, go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out. Why did they have to go and preach the gospel? Why did it fill the world? Why did it go? Because there's more to be done than just going to heaven. If it's just about going to heaven, then the day you get saved, we should pray that you leave. Right? But it's not just about heaven. Heaven is real. I do believe in heaven. I'm not preaching against heaven. But he said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done where? On the earth. This little planet that we all live in. This is where kingdom needs to manifest. So, kingdom, Matthew chapter 6. Kingdom come, will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Where are you seated? In heavenly places. Jesus is on the earth. Nicodemus comes to him. He's talking to him. He said, I am Jesus, the one that is here, but he's seated in heaven. Again, authority. I'm in heaven, but I'm here. So, in 
Colossians 2, 15, having disarmed all principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, did a complete work, conquered it. And if you read Romans uh, chapter 8, maybe we can go there quickly. Romans 8. Let's read that. So Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from sin and death. Okay, wow. So something that happened at this cross in Christ Jesus made me free from sin and death. Now you're going to hear, as again in what I'm trying to do, there are certain words that we're constantly going to hear that's coming out in Scripture. When we understand the fullness of Scripture, we start hearing these words everywhere. It's like when you buy a certain car, you never, like when I bought my Bucky, I thought it was, I was the only one driving a Navara until I started driving a Navara. And then I saw everybody drives a Navara. I'm like, there's a Navara, there's a Navara. Who's ever had that experience? You buy a certain piece of clothing or you do a certain, then you notice it everywhere because now you become aware of it. The same with Scripture. Same with where we're going tonight. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to go into this. Right now. Now, remember when we read First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians four, it was talking about things like when the trumpet blows, they will be caught up in a cloud um, on that day. All those things that were being used about those words, trumpet, trumpet, trumpet. Now, trumpet in the Old Testament, again touching on some of you, was the word, uh, a prophetic word. word or voice. Okay, so that's what the word trumpet meant, something that was prophetic, that was proclaimed, that was shouted out right throughout that. So keep that in mind as we go into 1 Corinthians 15. So let's read here from verse 20. But now Christ is risen. Let me just grab my glasses here. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits for those who have fallen asleep. For since, um, since by one man came death, by man also came the resurrection from dead. So he's talking about Adam here. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, when Paul's writing to the church here, is he writing anything there that you can pick up at this moment about people living in the earth and then being taken away? No, he, this guy's writing now. You're going to say, if this is a big event, shouldn't Paul be writing more about this? Shouldn't he be talking more? Now, he should be writing to every church about this. He should be writing to the church of Galatia, to Ephesus, to Philippi. He should be writing the stuff that he's putting out there. When he writes to Timothy, he should be telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to teach this because this is vital. 
But we're not picking that up when we read Scripture. He's not talking about this event that was so publicized for the last 200 years. And you're going to start to see what is he really talking about. He's not talking about this. He's talking about something else. He's talking about death and resurrection. He's talking about life. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says that there will come a day when the sons of God will be manifested. Now he said, okay, well, Sean, is it just Paul that's talking about this? No, we read it in 1 John 3. John says, we don't know what we will be like, but when we see him, we will be like him. So we, then we go back to Romans 8. This is, there's this manifestation of glory that's going to happen. The sons of God's going to be manifested. The earth will be changed the moment that happens. Even nature itself will be set free from corruption, and death will be conquered. So there's something that he's constantly talking about in everything he writes. Now, again, tonight I cannot get into all of it. I'm going to try and break it down bit by bit but just to get you started on that journey. Okay. It says, yeah, um, the first fruit of those who would come, sorry, be made alive, verse 23. But each one in his own order. Christ is the first fruit after those who are Christ's at his coming. So the, the, that's an interesting scripture. It says, yeah, Christ is the first fruit and, at his, and Christ at his coming. Christ's many. Did you, did you read that? Is Christ his surname? <laughs> no, Christ means anointed and his anointing, meaning the Christ, the Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Where's the fullness of the Holy Spirit right now? In each one of us. So there's something about his coming in the fullness of the Spirit that we're reading here. It said, Then comes the end, and delivers the, when he delivers the kingdom to the Father. And when he puts an, all, uh, puts an end to all rule and authority and power, for he, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Okay. Remember my, my question that was a trick question but wasn't a trick question? Did Jesus conquer death three days after his so that scripture says he must reign till death is under his feet. So this is a very bad little stick, man. Okay. So Christ is the head of the body. Who's the feet? The church. And he will crush Satan under Romans 16, 90. And the God of peace will crush Satan where? Under our feet. Okay, so now suddenly we have a new word here, feet. Oh, body. Are you starting to get this? So Romans 16 says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under our feet. He says, He will reign till what happens? Till death is under His feet, our, our feet. Because if his feet is my feet, his body is my body, his mind is my mind. It's in Corinthians 5. His hands, my hands are his hands. This body is his body. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in me. 
Are we starting to, you starting to get something there? Okay. Now let's continue. It says, yeah, for he must reign, verse 25, told to put all the enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be, that will be, are we seeing a futuristic thing here? That will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. Oh, there we have it. He has all things under his feet. But yet he says there is an enemy that still needs to be put under his feet. But when he says all things under his feet, it is evident that he who has put all things under him is accepted. When all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So that God will be all and in all. Now it continues down this, verse 35. Let's go down there. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And what will the body do? Um, and what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow... Uh, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. When you sow it, you do not sow that the body that shall be, but mere gain, perhaps wheat or some sort of grain. But God gives uh, it a body as it pleases, um, and to each seed its own body. So he's trying to explain that whatever is sown will be raised. I'm not, I'm sown a body, a body is sown, a body is raised. Just stick with me. It's all going to make sense just now. I know we've got to rush because of load shedding. So just stick with me. Hold fast. All flesh are not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of a man and the other of a flesh of an animal and of the fish and others of bird. There are also celestial bodies, terrestrial bodies. The glories of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and the other glory of the moon. And there are a glory of the stars. And a star differs from another star in, in glory. So here he's constantly talking about there are different things. Each one has its glory. Each one has its place. Um, go to verse 44. It is, sown, is, um, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a life being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, and the second man, Lord from heaven. It was the man, um, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also those who are heavenly. For we are born of the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So, okay, why did I read all of this to get to this point? Because the next part of what we're going to read is the rapture part. The part they use for rapture. But we cannot read that or understand that if we didn't read the full chapter. This full chapter we just read here of explaining where we were going with right now. We're talking about what is the last enemy that needs to be destroyed? Death. Remember, I just said that. Last enemy that needs to be destroyed is death. Where, who needs to destroy that? Needs to be under the feet of the body of Christ. Did Jesus already conquer death? Yes. He says, there is a first man, Adam. 
And there's a second man, Christ. You were born in Adam, but you are now born in? Did you get born again? Poppy, were you born again? Yes. How did you get born again? You believed. Through belief, I became part of Christ. This man, Adam, was just a living being. This man, Christ, life-giving spirit. How are we starting to hear now? Where are we seated? In heavenly places. We are one with God. How are we one with God? We have... Oh, there's no load shedding. Okay, so there's no load shedding. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we can continue. How do we, how do we become a life-giving spirit? Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? It's the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. So do you hear what he's trying to tell here? What he's trying to say to the church is, guys, there is something more to this Christian walk than just getting saved. You were part of Adam, but you are now Christ. You are in Christ. This was just living. You were just breathing and living. Now you are part of a life-giving spirit. The same way as Adam was there, you are now part of this Christ. Do you hear that? Now he gets into the lo this last part that we're going to go into now. It says, um, verse 15, now, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Stop for a moment. We're talking here about life and death. Right? Our oldest brother died on the cross. Three days later, rose from the dead. This Jesus now says, go out into all the world. Do what? Heal the sick. Raise the, raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. We read in Hebrews. Let us move on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. Not healing the sick anymore or raising the dead. Let us move on to maturity. Do you get this now? Jesus died. Three days later, rose. Then he says, now go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Paul says, guys, that's just elementary. That's where we started. We've got to go further than that. We, we've got to move for, further beyond what that is. There's more to this. Then he writes to the church in Rome, he says, Glory will fill the earth. The sons of God. There will be a manifestation of them. When they are manifested in their fullness, the fullness of the sons of God, even nature will respond to the glorious appearance of the sons of God. So now, we're going to see this now in, the next, in this part where he gets the two part, parts of this. Hebrews chapter 2 and first, uh, first Corinthians 15. And then there's another scripture in 1 John 3. So 1 John 3 says, I don't know what I'm going to be like. But when I see him, 
I will be like him. Now, keep that in mind. He says, I don't know what this manifestation of the glory is going to look like. I, I, I don't have an idea. I don't know how it's going to look like when somebody is so in power with God and God is moving so much and their mind is so convinced that the glory of God breaks through in the flesh. I don't know how that's going to look. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look when you walk past the gravesite and the graves start opening up. I don't know how that's going to look when you walk into a hospital room and the people start getting out of bed because you just walked in there. Come on, we've seen some miracles throughout times. We've seen uh, a William Branham or in a, uh, a, a, a Allen and a cold. These pick up these these people who are dying and heal them instantly. We see Corpus von Reisberg. We saw all these mighty men and women of God. I think it was William Branham who picked up this disformed boy, totally disformed, and then threw him through the air. And when he threw him through the air, all the bones, you just hear cluck, 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 and all the bones started pulling, and he landed on both his feet and started running through the tent. In the presence of glory, in the presence of God, transformation happened. Something. I don't know what that's going to be like when it happens to you, 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 each one of us. I don't know what it's going to look like. But when we see him, we'll be like him. So just, again, I'm laying a foundation to stick with me as we go through this. It says, yeah, um, not all of us will fall asleep. Not all of us will die. But there are those who, when they die, we all will be changed. So not all will die, but all will be changed. Did you read that there? Not all will die, but all will be changed. Verse 32. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, haba haba. Now we're reading the same thing now. So it says, at a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, in a snap of an eye. The word caught up there is twinkling of an eye. In a moment, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in a moment, everything will change. In a moment, things are going to be taken, uh, be, be turned around. So listen, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Do we, do we, do, what will happen? When a trumpet sounds, when a prophetic voice, a word happens, Dead will be raised. First, Corinthians, First Thessalonians 4 says, they will not precede us in perfection. We will all in the same moment be transformed. In a moment the trumpet will sound. Everybody will change. Dead will be raised and we will be changed. Changed to what? <laughs> what am I going to be changed to? What's going to happen in the, the fullness of the glory? For we read Romans 8, it says that the, the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Jesus says, you will do the same things as me and greater. My oldest brother died three days later, raised. Listen, did, just quick for interest's sake here. When Jesus died on the cross, did he look good? Or was his body ripped to pieces? Ripped to pieces. His head, you know, Josephus writes about this. He says that when Jesus was unrecognized, the head the size of a bucket of being beaten. Do you think Jesus was raised a zombie? Or did he raise in perfection? He just had the holes in his hand. But everything about what happened here 
in three days, completely restored. He walked out of there looking as perfect as before he even came to the day of the cross. In three days, his body was restored. And Scripture says that you have the same Spirit living inside of you. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. The same one that quickens your flesh. The same thing. So do you hear constantly what Paul is writing throughout Scripture is this life and death question. He's not writing about something where we fly into the air, the devil reigning and all this crazy nonsense. No, he's writing about the glory of God where on the earth. God manifested in flesh here. So what John writes is, I don't know what I'm going to be like, but when I see him, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to walk like him. I'm going to operate. And that's why Paul, the writer of Hebrews, goes, come on, guys. We've got to step into maturity. We, we, we should be way beyond raising dead people. Maturity, the fullness of the glory. He says, come on. And I have, I'm reigned over everything. Death is under my feet. But now the last enemy needs to be under your feet. Who? you're starting to hear something. Okay, listen to this. It says, And we all shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and incorruptible will be changed. Verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Did, did, I, did I just read that? Let me just throw it there and just see that we're there. There are two things there. The corruption is those who are dead. So the corruptible must come up and become incorruptible. And those who are mortal must put on immortality. Those who are mortal must step into life. Those who are mortal must leave the elementary teachings of, of healing behind and step into life. Now listen to what he says. He doesn't stop there. He continues with this. Let me get my chalk back. I've got another piece. It says, And when the corruptible is put on incorruption, verse 54, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and the mortal has put on immortality, talks about two different things, then shall be brought to pass the saying, then shall be brought to pass the saying, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, hear the last trumpet. I'm just putting it in my own words, but it's written in italic. That comes out of Isaiah 25. It says here, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Can you hear that this scripture, this quotation, is a Jesus quotation? But it is written from Isaiah, but it is written not in connection to Jesus. This quote is in Corinthians after Jesus was already resurrected. So this is not a prophecy of Jesus. Remember what we just read in the previous part when we started talking about this death, the bodies being changed. The first there was an Adam, then there's a Christ. And now it says, and there will come to pass the saying, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Oh, about who's he talking there? He just said corruptible 
must become incorruptible and mortal must become immortal. Do you get that? This is something needs to change. Something's going to happen. The moment the trumpet is sound, in a moment, in an instant. Now I say, oh, Sean, this doesn't, I don't know if that's what it means. Let's continue reading and not stop. Because people stop with stuff. And like, do you hear? There's a trumpet, and the trumpet will sound, and the dead will rise, and that's where they stop. Whoa, there's a lot more being said there than a trumpet blowing. Because the word trumpet does not mean a physical trumpet. It means a prophetic word. Verse 56. The sting of death is sin, and the, sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and the knowledge of your, uh, sorry, and the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain to God. It says the law part. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. So remember, we just said that there is a moment when there's a transforming. There's a moment when the trumpet is. What are we pushing for? That it will be under our feet. I just want to make sure that you understand me. I'm not preaching tonight just. I want to use the word just. Just raising the dead or mortal to immortality. That's not what I'm, I'm not just preaching that. That is part of the fullness of the glory of God. The manifestation of the sons of God. As in heaven, so on earth. It's part of. There's a maturity that is called for in the church. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal flesh. In a moment and an instant, when the trumpet is sound, there will be a change and a transformation. Now, with that in mind, as we read Hebrews chapter 2. Let me get the right one here. Okay, let's read from verse 1. We can read through this. You, we've got some time. Let's get it all together. Therefore, we must give a more, a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the words spoken, the words spoken through angels prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received, uh, receives a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken uh, by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard it? So he's talking about the word being preached by Jesus, word then confirmed by angels and the apostles. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will for he has put uh, the, the world to come for he has put not put the world to come on which we speak in subjection to angels but one testifies in a certain place saying what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him how you have made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with glory and honor 
set him over the works of your hands, and have put all things in subjection under his what? Feet. For in um, that he put, um, sorry, for in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. He's talking about Jesus here, right? Am I right, Dad? Talking about Jesus. He left nothing that is not under his feet. A man, and then talks about Jesus. So you've got to understand when we talk about this, there is the part of Christ that has put everything under his feet. But there is also a lost enemy that needs to be under our feet. Two different things as he speaks of this. Uh, that is not under his feet. But now we do not yet see all things under him. That's us. Do, we, do you see all things under man? Not yet. How many times have we prayed for some people and they still died? How many times have I've been a few times I've prayed for dead people and they were not raised. But Scripture say, says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Have we seen the fullness of God's glory fill the earth? No. Now he says, we have not seen all things yet under his feet, under man's feet, okay? Um, verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the, um, by the grace of God, might taste death for every man or everyone. What did Jesus do for us? He tasted death for us. He did something. So we don't see everything yet under our feet, but we see Jesus. Did you hear that? So we don't see all of that yet there, but we see him. Who did what? Who conquered it all? Who did it all? Who provided it all? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How many scriptures have I quoted tonight connected to one another? Two, three, four? No, I've gone through a few right now. 1 John chapter 3. For I don't know what we will be like, but when we see him, we will be like him. For it says, I have not seen all things yet under his feet. Under, under my feet, but I see Jesus, who has tasted death for, for all one. For it is fitting for him who, uh, who are all things and by whom all are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. In bringing what? Many sons, many sons to? Glory. Oh, I thought it was many sons to heaven. <laughs> Am I preaching against heaven? No. I believe in heaven. But there is a glory that needs to be manifested here. Jesus is the firstborn of many to come. Hebrews 2. He said, what does this scripture say? He brought many sons to glory. Oh, many sons. Not one son. It's not talking about Jesus. He says, we don't see everything get under our feet. But we see Jesus, who tasted death for all of us. And what did he do with the death he tasted? He conquered it. Now he says he is the head of the body, and God wants to fill all in all. The last enemy that needs to be conquered is death. And so when death is conquered, then we will hear this trumpet sound, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your, your hold, your victory? And it will be totally. For we know that incorruption of corruption will receive incorruption. Mortality will receive immortality. 
Oh, the same Jesus, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in, in us. Okay, let's continue reading a little bit more. Then we'll put it all together. Um, verse 11. For, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason, um, we, for, for reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So what are we? Brethren, all sanctified to him. I'll declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praises to you. And again, I put my trust in him. And again, here I am, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy. Listen, guys, if you've got... A Bible, and you want to underline that, underline that right next to it. Colossians 2.15. He made a public spectacle. He triumphed over every principality and power. Everything is under his feet. He destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Did we just read it? What did Jesus do? He destroyed the one who had the power of what? Death, the devil. Do we see everything yet under our feet? No, but we see Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, As we behold in a mirror the glory of God, we are transformed into the same image as by the Spirit of the Lord, says the Scripture. Into what? The same image. The one who fills all in all. We do not know what we will be like, but when we see Him, we will be like Him. And there will be a trumpet that sounds, and in the twinkling of an eye, we all shall be changed. The dead will rise, corruption will receive incorruption, and those who are alive and remain will receive immortality will be changed in a moment. We don't know what we will be like, but there is a glory that all sons are called to and the manifestation of the sons of God in the earth. Now, I don't know how that fits in because in all the years of listening to the rapture stories and listening to any connection to eschatology from, from end-time eschatology that's being preached, this part, Romans 8, Matthew 6, and what I just pulled, where does that fit in? How does that fit into that? It doesn't fit in because if the glory of God is going to fill the whole earth, but they're waiting for the whole earth to fall apart, then somewhere something's missing. Uh, so by happenstance, or maybe my phone's listening to me, I don't know, I received a, I was going through some social media this morning and, and there's this video that popped on about this girl who's had this vision about the world ending and crying and, and screaming out at the camera, please, people, we'll never go back to normal. The fire is coming. We're all going to burn. And I'm going like, wow, man, you're going to get the biggest wake-up call. Because where's the glory of God? Where's salvations by the millions? Where is the bride in the fullness? Where is the corruption that needs to be changed the moment the sons of God are revealed in the earth? When there's not just one Jesus, like, that's Jesus, Jesus, Je Jesus. Oh, Jesus is here. And he said, no, it's, not, it's us. 
It's the body walking. It's me. We are all part of Him. This is the body moving and operating in the fullness of the glory of God. You see, the appearing of God isn't something that's going to happen from there. It's going to, something that's going to happen from here and from there and from everywhere. And the same moment when the sons of God are manifested and they look and they go, isn't, isn't that Jesus? No, but there's Jesus. Oh, there's Jesus. Oh, there's Jesus. We don't know what we will be like. But when we see Him, we'll be like Him. Because where is He? Oh, He's in you. He's in you. No, no. Okay. Oh, no. You're... Christ in us, the hope of glory. For it's no longer I that live, but Christ. The disciples come to him, and they sit to him and say, Lord, how can you leave? How can you go? The prophecy says the Christ will remain. But you say it's to our advantage that you leave. My, my translation, he says, no, 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 it will be that way. It's better that I leave because I'm going to send you the helper, the counselor. It will be one with you. I, he says, I am, I'm, he was so in joy of waiting to leave because here is, I'm going to leave. But when I return, I will receive you to me. When did he return? He returned after death. And in this period right here, Mary comes to him and says, can I touch you? He says, don't touch me. I've not been with the Father yet. And he goes to the Father and shows the sacrifice, reveals the blood offering, the lamb slayed for the world, and steps back into the earth and says, now you can touch me. Thomas, touch me. They touch him. Forty days and nights, he's on the earth. And then he breathes on them. And then he says, go wait in the upper room. Because I'm going to give you what? Power. The power isn't just people. Listen, I, I'm not going to have time to preach on this tonight. The power isn't just a bunch of us lying on the, the floor, on the floor under the power of God. That's not just what the Holy Spirit came to do. The Holy Spirit came for this in each one of us so the whole earth can be filled with the glory of God so that heaven and earth can look like the same place and then manifestation of God's glory steps through the natural when death is finally conquered listen we've got to understand is there death in heaven so how can Matthew chapter 6 kingdom come will be done on earth as in heaven, if death is still reigning in the earth, then death needs to be conquered. Then we've got to raise the dead. We've got to be sickness-free. Listen, they stand. Sickness has come to people that have been on the mission field. Talking about a John G. Lake. They put it, when it touches his hand, it dies. Have we seen the fullness of that in the time of COVID? No. But we see Jesus. So I'm not looking at what it didn't do. I'm still looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. We prayed. We had COVID. People we prayed for died. Things happened. But there is a day when the fullness of God is going to manifest, and none of us will get sick again. When sickness will come to your door, and when it touches your body, it will die instantly because the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead will be part of you. 
And the final enemy will be destroyed. Does it make some sense? At the last trumpet, there will be a changing. What is the last trumpet? The prophetic voice and word. What is that word? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? That's the last enemy that will be destroyed and under our feet. For we don't see everything yet subject under our feet, but we see Jesus. What about Jesus? That he conquered death, that he died three days later, raised. Romans chapter 6, that we've been set free from sin and death. What, is, gives, the, what gives the power to, to death? Sin. So sin's taken away. There's no more power. What, we just, what did we just read? Hebrews chapter 2. And he destroyed the one who had the power of death. Make sense? So let's end with this as we finish up tonight. For the last three weeks, we've been touching on certain scriptures that pertains to an end-time event that over the last 200 years have been preached in a lot of Pentecostal churches. And what it's done, if I had all the books here tonight, who especially certain writers who followed a series and a movie event that built momentum to it, in the Left Behind series. Some of you remember that. So if you go read on that book, you pick up the book, the titles, you will read at the back, it says the following, novel. The reason that is for suing purposes. Because if they make the statement and it doesn't say novel, you can sue them. Because he said that in 1988... Jesus will come back and sold millions of books. And the next year, that said 88 reasons why Jesus will come back in 1988. A real book. Next year, false prophet, 89 reasons why Jesus did not come back in 88. How many books have you seen where people make statements and say, that's where it's going to be? And then it's not. Then that's where it's going to be. Oh, this is how it's going to happen. Or that's how the end of the world will be. Come on, guys. More confusion than anything that we've ever experienced before. Now, here is the whole... I left this to the end to put the final nail in the coffin. So if you remember, if you've been long, in, long enough in church and we've ever had the rapture story, it says that if you, get, if you do not get raptured, they have the pre-tribulation or the post-tribulation. If you do not get raptured and you do not take the mark of the beast, am I correct? Is that what is always said? So if you do not get raptured and you now in this time period after the rapture do not take the mark of the beast and you die, you can go to heaven. Is that what is being, was, was said? That is absolute heresy. Because what it says and what it indicates is that you, by your own sacrifice, without the Holy Spirit, your blood sacrifice, 
that you say, I will, I did not get raptured. I won't take the mark of the peace. I never gave my life to Jesus. But now, without the Holy Spirit, I will die. That means your blood is the same as Jesus? Better, because you didn't, you didn't, do, you didn't even live sinless. That you think that after the rapture, that's the teaching. The teaching is, if the rapture happens and you stay and you do not receive the mark, you are able to go to heaven. If you pay with your own blood, you're a martyr. A martyr after I did not receive Jesus, that my blood is equivalent to that of the Lamb? I'm sorry, that is, that is heresy. That is so against what Jesus did on the cross, that we can teach that to people, and that by our own effort and our own paying, we can somehow attain. The entire thing, is the basis of what that is, is not founded in the Word. And I'm going to say this again as we end off with tonight. If this is a thing that was really in Scripture, we would find it being written to every church. We would find it not just in Paul's writing. We would find it in John's writing. We would find when he gives Timothy the way how to lead as a son, we would find that he'd be talking about there, but he does not talk about that there. Nowhere, every time he talks about this progression, Let's talk about maturity. Let's talk about who we are in Christ. No longer I that live. What did Jesus do on the cross? How does that affect us? How will people be changed? Let us see people changed. Let us mature as we are seated in heaven. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about people being pulled into the air and flying and airplanes falling and marks on our foreheads. And is that scriptures there? Yes. But when we read it in context... It will make all the sense. Next year I'm going to do a series on that. And you can find out where it is. Because it is absolutely fulfilled. You see, when we talk about the mark of the beast, people have nailed that thing in the fullness. It's a chip. And I remember the first time the credit cards had the bar strip and it had the little thing at the back, or barcodes came out. When barcodes came out, Everybody was, that's it, mark of the beast. Now, everybody's got a barcode. When the credit card had a chip, and some of the credit cards had that 666 at the back, whoo, they're like, see, mark of the beast. Chips in the, chips in the dog, now dogs have chips. And, and all these, you see, soon they, they're testing this. It's going to be, an, now everybody has gone through this thing, the injection, that, uh, the COVID thing, they are putting the mark in you. What, what is the name? The TV. Can you remember the t when the television? Maybe you can't remember when I can't even remember when television. When television came out, the devil, Antichrist, this is it, the whole world. Now, we use television to preach the gospel. Cell phones. Do you remember? Every single one of those things, every time is on the basis of fear. Of Fear. That a girl can look at a camera and cry her eyes out and beg people, stop, stop being so, the world is about to end. It's about to end. Fire is coming. We're all going to die. No, the world is not about to end. The glory of God is going to reign. We're going to see thousands of people, millions of people get saved. The glory of God is going to fill the earth. We're going to see resurrections happen like never before from no names, faceless people that are not standing on a stage but walking in the street. 
That's the power of God that's going to happen. And it's not on the basis of what, of what, of being taught about everybody flying up into the air. Now listen, if you go into the entire, I'm going to teach it next year. But the whole basis of it is Jesus coming back to Jerusalem and ruling and reigning for a thousand years. Or for, for a time period, for a thousand years, right? Rule and reign for a thousand years. Now listen, didn't Jesus say it's to our advantage that he leaves? But now he wants to climb out of us and come back as a, as a human and sit in Jerusalem and reign. So I'm not going to feel him anymore. I need to go to Jerusalem to see Jesus for the next thousand years. Because he's there now. I, can't, I don't have the mind of Christ anymore. I'm not connected to that. Because isn't Jesus the very one that said, the, what, it's the advantage that I leave so that I can come as the Spirit so I can live in you? That I can be all in all? But the teaching is he's going to come back and he's gonna, we're going to see him and he's going to be living in Jerusalem. You know, guys, how long is that queue going to be? There are billions of people that want to see Jesus. So that queue is going to be long. We've got a long appointment for me to be Jesus. Right now, my appointment is Jesus is right now. I feel him. I experience him. I am one with him because he is one with me. And then it says, now they're going to let the devil rule and reign, and then we're going to grab the devil again, and then we're going to throw him in. And it's all confused. Like, it sounds like a cartoon, man. It's like, now Tom and Jerry hard clip now, and now Tom and Jerry do it. And now, come on, man. It's, it doesn't make sense. It's not found in Scripture. Talk about the beast. Then we go back in history and we ask, what was Nero's nickname at the time he was killing the children of God? The beast. Oh, man, if we can just, like, one history book line. Nero, greatest tribulation ever. And what's his name? The beast. Oh, man, now we're going to look for a beast somewhere and it's going to come and it's going to attack. And then we miss the big scripture that says, for those who receive the mark of Christ on their forehead and their right arm. Oh, but nobody teaches about that. But that's in Revelation. But everybody wants to say, no, no there's a chip. So is there a Jesus chip? We're going to have a choose. I'll, I'll have the beast chip. That's all the products you can buy with the beast chip. And that's the Jesus chip. No. Something spiritual, right? I know I'm, I'm going a little bit off of track from the rapture thing into eschatology. But if we, we cannot touch on rapture if we don't have a different view on eschatology. Now. Last, last sentence. If you do not believe and what I've just portrayed you. And you believe in the rapture. You that are watching, you, you believe in the tribulation. You believe in all of that. That's okay. Because in the end, we all will be with Jesus. I just don't believe in everything falling apart, and I believe in millions of people getting saved. You believe in everything falling apart, and hopefully in millions of people getting saved. But we all believe in an end when Christ will return in His fullness and we all will be with Him. That's it. So whether you agree with me, and there's some people that are really angry with me on certain things, and I'm sorry if I offended you and that I don't want to offend you, but you will have to get over it because I will see you in heaven and I will knock at your door every morning. Hello, it's Sean. 
for all eternity. You try to run away from me, but I'm here. <laughs> I know I'm just joking. I like to joke. I'm not being... But we all will be with God for all eternity. Jesus stands at the grave of Lazarus. And Martha comes to him and says, Lord, if you were just here, Lazarus would not have died. And he makes one of the most profound statements in Scripture. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live again. And he who is alive and believes shall never die. Do you believe this? He asks her. And she says, yes, Lord, one day at the day of resurrection, all of this will come to pass. What Jesus is expressing to her is that it doesn't matter if we believe in the fullness of that there is death under our feet or we're waiting for a rapture to happen and might never happen. At the end of the time, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong on this as long as we believe and have given our life to Jesus. I'm a tongue-speaking, Holy Ghost-believing, salvation-confessed person who believes in leading people to Jesus. So whether you are teaching people that whatever way there is to get them saved and grown and discipled, because that's the, the mission. Go out into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all mankind, teaching them in all ways, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, the kingdom of God. If that is what we can agree on, then whatever I taught, whatever I, you don't have to agree with that, but on that we have to agree. Do you believe in Jesus? Is He your Lord and Savior? And is your eternity fixed in Him? Because that is what matters. Because you can die tomorrow, and if that is not fixed, you will not see eternity. And that is the cause of what the church needs to be. Whether we, I cannot go and preach a rapture thing and get people saved. No, I want to get people saved. That's the goal. That's where people need to find Jesus. Because what do they need tomorrow? They need hope tomorrow. They need life tomorrow. They need something to hold on in times of tribulation, times of tough. Because we're, whether we're waiting for a tribulation or what we've experienced was quite a tribulation, whatever that may be, what do people need? They need the hope. And we have the answer. We have the good news. I hope that makes sense. If we... Those who've been watching and following me on this, I hope you get that. I don't want to fight about anything. This is what I believe. But I believe there is an end, and the end is Jesus. And that's what the truth is. I just have a different view as we want to see God's glory fill the earth. I want 3.2 billion people that have never heard Jesus before see God's glory manifested in flesh. When I walk in India, some Indians have got to say, like, what is this guy doing? He is shining like the sun when he's walking here. I want to be going into some places. I want to take teams into places. That's where the church needs to be. Not just stuck on our bottom waiting to fly to heaven. No, let's bring heaven here. As in heaven, so on earth. That is this message. Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So would you stand with me? We're done. Thank you for an awesome three weeks.
Come on, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that it is life. I thank you that those who grab hold of us will grab hold of, of life in itself. We'll start to believe like they never believed before. We'll see the glory come, Father. And, and I pray for those who didn't, who are listening and they're not convinced and they don't like to. Maybe they're a bit angry. Lord, I pray your peace over them. May they, may they just realize truth in their life and whatever they believe. We love, we love all of them, Father. I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray for us as church and for us who believe this and for the body of Christ to rise up like never before, to truly see your glory manifested in our bodies, that we will see the sick healed. We will see the dead raised. We will see blind eyes open and deaf ears hear. We will see legs grow out where there were no legs. Creative miracles. No eyes. We will see eyes. We will see your glory manifested in a fullness in your body like never before, Lord. And we pray that tonight. In the name of Jesus. And everybody saying, Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. Thanks for those who are watching. Appreciate you joining us live again on Sunday morning. Bless you.